But we're in a summer series that, that addresses the times in which we are living called last days. Finding hope in difficult times. These are indeed difficult times, aren't they? I said these are difficult times, aren't they? More and more, the things that we've always believed and accepted as Christians seem to be out of step with much of America. Todd Starnes wrote this. He said, we live, and listen for the last, the the end of it. He said, we live in a postmodern and post-God world that has increasingly become (laughs) post-intelligent. I think he's right. I mean, have you ever read something, watched something, and, and you look at it, you shake your head and think, have these people lost their mind? That's the kind of world in which we're living today. How is all of this happening? Well, Billy Graham uh, said this, and I think really put his finger uh, right on the spot when he said, the farther we get from God, the more the world spirals out of control. And then he added, our nation seems to be going out of its way to remove God from the public arena. And that's why we're having many of the problems we're we're having. So, here's the question today. How do you live out your faith in a culture who wants to eradicate it? How do you live out your faith in a culture that wants to eradicate it? Apostle Paul wrote about that very issue in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Would you open God's Word with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2? We're working our way through the book of 2 Timothy this summer, this summer series. While you're finding that passage, let me review what we talked about the last two weeks in chapter 1. Basically, in chapter 1, Paul is encouraging Timothy to be faithful. To be faithful in spite of everything happening in the world in which he was living. And Paul gave Timothy three action steps in chapter 1. And the first one was, do not be ashamed of the gospel. And Paul was very clear to say, do not be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ or His words. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of Jesus or the things that Jesus said. And then he said the second action step is to be willing to suffer for the gospel. We told you that all around the world, people are doing that. All around the world, people are being persecuted and suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's worth it. Because the gospel is true. And the gospel is the only hope that our world has. We must be willing to suffer for what is true. And so Paul said, the day's coming, Timothy, when you may have to do what I'm doing. You may have to experience what I'm experiencing. And if that day comes, and if that test comes... Suffer for the gospel. Don't back up. Don't shrink back. Stand firm, endure, and suffer for the gospel. And then the third action step that he gave in chapter 1 was this. Guard the gospel. We talked about that last Sunday night. Guard the gospel. Because in the last days, there will be those who will deny the gospel. And there will be those who want to change the gospel. Changing it either by taking away from it or adding to it. And we cannot and should not ever take away from nor add to the gospel in order to try to make it fit into culture. So Timothy said, or Paul says to Timothy, guard the gospel that's been given to you. That's all chapter 1. So now today we come to chapter 2. And, and if I could put just the whole chapter into a sentence, it would be this. Our focus must be on Jesus Christ and the mission that He's given us. That's essentially what Paul is going to teach us in chapter 2. 
that your focus and my focus should be on Jesus Christ and the mission that He's given us. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow along as I read verses 1 through 13. And as I read those verses, I want you to look for references to Jesus. I want you to notice how many times He references Jesus Christ. You then, my son, verse 1, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not changed or chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. Read this out loud with me if you have the NIV. If we died with Him, we will also live with Him. If we endure, we will also reign with Him. If we disown Him, He will also disown us. If we are faithless, He will remain faithful, for He cannot disown Himself. Now we won't have the time today to cover all of that, but that's the, the passage that we're going to look at today and next Sunday. What I'd like for you to do right now is to get a pen or pencil ready. And I want you to go to verse 8 because verse 8 is really foundational to this message and to the entire chapter. In verse 8, take a pen or pencil out and underline three words in verse 8. It's these words. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. That's not only the title of my message today, it is the thrust of this entire chapter. Now, why would Paul tell Timothy, a preacher, a pastor, to remember Jesus Christ? Isn't that kind of like telling a dentist to remember what teeth look like? Why would he tell Timothy the obvious? I believe the reason is because when pressure is on... We tend to focus on the problem instead of the solution. Sometimes in the world in which we live, it's easy to begin focusing on the wrong things. It's so easy to focus on those who preach tolerance and are intolerant towards Christians. It's so easy for us to get focused on those kind of people. It's so easy to focus on those who are tirelessly working to take our religious freedom away. It's so easy just to to get aggravated and frustrated and angry at the people who want to take away or try to take away our religious freedom. It's so easy to focus on those who accuse us of using hate speech just because we want to teach the Bible. It's so easy to focus on Supreme Court decisions that are shaped by a radical agenda. It is so easy in the world in which we're living to focus on the wrong things. 
It's so easy to focus on the problem and forget that we're supposed to tell people about the solution. Hello? Anybody listening to that? It's so easy to watch the news, to read the newspaper. It's so easy to get on, online and read all of these stories and get all this information and get so focused on the problem that we forget we are supposed to focus on the solution and tell people who the solution is. So Paul says, remember Jesus Christ. And we'll dig into that next Sunday. But that really is foundational to what I want you to see today. You see, regardless of how cultural issues are decided, and no matter what laws are passed, no matter what laws are abolished, as Christians, our focus, listen church, our focus must never be anger or panic or fear. Our focus must be Jesus Christ and the mission He has given us. That has to be our focus. So every time you see a headline, every time you watch a story that makes you shake your head in disbelief, Let it be a reminder that we have been given a message. And we have been given a mission. Let it be a reminder that this world desperately needs what we've been given. You see, don't focus on the problem. Focus on the solution, Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ. So, in this text, in chapter 2, Paul gives us four challenges that will help us live out our faith in a world that would like to eradicate it. And we're only going to be able to get to two of them today and we'll look at the other ones next Sunday. But here's the first one. I want you to write down these notes, if you would, please. Paul says, Timothy, my first challenge to you is this. Rely on Jesus every day. Would you say that with me, church? Rely on Jesus every day. Now, now, I want to make sure you get those last two words. Rely on Jesus every day. Here's how Paul said it to Timothy in verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the way that he starts that sentence hints at the fact that he's re- referencing something previous that he's already written. You don't usually start a sentence with, you then, my son. Not a normal way to start the sentence. So it makes you ask, what is he referencing? What has gone before? What has been written before that, that, ref, that he is referring to? Well, in the last part of chapter 1, remember in verse 15, chapter 1, verse 15, Paul was talking about two men who had defected and deserted. He refers to them uh, in the province of Asia, has deserted me, including Pagellas and Hermogenes. And then after alluding to these two people that that have abandoned the faith, they have abandoned the gospel, they have walked away from Paul, they've walked away from the ministry, after mentioning those two people, then Paul gives us a positive example in verse 16 through 18 of Onesiphorus, a man who stood tall, a man who came looking for Paul, a man who came wanting to help Paul and minister here, and Paul said, he's refreshed me many times. Now Paul knew, watch this, Paul knew that Timothy could go either way on this. Paul knew that timid Timothy had the desire to live for Jesus, but not necessarily the courage to do so. Oh, some days were better than others. Some days he was stronger than others. But Paul knew Timothy. And timid timid Timothy could go either way. He had a heart to live for Jesus, but he didn't always have the courage. So Paul doesn't just say to Timothy, you then my son be strong, Period. 
He says, you then, my son, be strong. And notice how he finishes the sentence. In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know what he's saying to him? Timothy, I am not encouraging you to just try to stand firm and be strong in your own strength. I'm not talking about pull yourself up by your own bootstraps because quite frankly, you don't have that kind of strength. You don't have that kind of courage. You don't have that kind of wisdom. You don't have that ability. And I'm not trying to say to you, just, just be a strong man. No, that's not what I'm saying. Timothy, here's what I want you to understand. There is something you need to know and something you need to do. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Translation, shortest translation. Don't you dare try to do this on your own. Don't you dare try to stand on your own. In other words, rely on Jesus every day because we're living in times when we won't succeed unless we do. Rely on Jesus every day because we're living in days where we desperately need His strength. Rely on Jesus every day because you can't make it on your own. Rely on Jesus every day because if you don't, you're going to fail and you might fall. You see, we all have one of two choices to make when it comes to living the Christian life. The two choices we have are these. We can try harder or we can walk closer. Try harder or walk closer. Times are getting tough. Days are getting weird. Days are getting stressful. Society seems to have lost its mind. But we're going to be different, right? We're going to be the light in the darkness, right? We're going to be the ones who show them who Jesus is, right? And you, here's your choice. Try harder. I'm just going to be a... I'm going to try really hard to be a good Christian. I'm going to try really hard to do things right. Try really hard to be a good witness. Try harder or walk closer. You know why Paul was able to do what Paul did? I believe it was not because he tried harder than everybody else. I believe it's because he probably walked closer to Jesus than most people did. See, the rabbis in the days of the New Testament, the rabbis had a saying. The people who followed the rabbis in the days of Jesus often said this, I want to be covered in the dust of, the, of my rabbi. I want to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. It was their way of saying, I, I just want to walk so close that I, his dust gets on me. I want to be covered in the dust of my rabbi. I want to make sure that I'm walking close to him. You see, try harder, try harder, try harder. That will tire you out. You will give out. You will give up. Walking close to your rabbi, walking close to your Savior, walking close to the one you're following. That's the way to be renewed in your strength. Paul was telling Timothy, listen, the Christian life is not about how hard you can try. It's about the strength of Jesus Christ living in you and living through you. You see, the Christian life is not about, I'm going to do this for Jesus. The Christian life is about, I'm going to let Jesus live in me. So Paul says in verse 1, you then my son, because I don't want you to be like uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes. I, I want you to be like Anesiphorus. So you then my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. 
You know, you know, you know what Paul was saying, Timothy? It's, in essence, he was saying this. Listen, and I hope, I hope somebody put a name in here. You need Jesus today just as much as you did on the day of salvation. See, we all know about needing Jesus and trusting Jesus and trusting in the grace of Jesus on salvation day. But you need the grace of Jesus every day. We all know about putting our faith in Jesus on salvation day, but you need to put your faith in Jesus every day. In fact, Ephesians 6.10, put your finger in 2 Timothy, go over to the left for a moment. Let me show you a verse. Ephesians 6.10 puts it this way. Paul, another letter that Paul wrote. Paul says these words in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Finally, be strong in the Lord. You see, our strength is not in how long we've been a Christian and it's not in how much we know of the Bible and our strength is not found in how long we've been in ministry. Our strength comes from relying on Jesus Christ on a day-to-day basis. Christians who make an eternal difference in this world are those Christians who have learned to rely on God's strength and not their own. I love the story of Spurgeon and David Livingstone. David Livingstone uh, once uh, got to know Spurgeon a little bit and was hanging out with him in today's vernacular. He was hanging out with him. And, and Livingstone was amazed at everything that Spurgeon did. His schedule was so packed and every day was like that. It, it was almost he was going wide open 24-7. And Livingstone, after he kind of got to be around Spurgeon for a while, he said something to Spurgeon about how he maintains his pace and all. How in the world does he do everything that he could do? And Spurgeon said, you have forgotten that there are two of us. He didn't mean two Spurgeons. He meant Spurgeon and the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two of you too. That might be a scary thought for your wife or your husband, but there are two of you. If you know Christ as your Savior, there are two of you too. There's you, and there's the Jesus That lives in you. Paul says. You then my son. Be strong. In the grace. That is in Christ Jesus. So rely on Jesus. Every day. Here's a second challenge. That he gave to Timothy. And he gives to us. Pass on the gospel to others. What does it mean. When you say. In verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. What does that. What does that look like. What does that mean. Well. It means to pass on the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Pass on the gospel to others. Verse 2 he says, And the things that you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Now everybody look up here for a minute. I want to make sure you get this. Remember in chapter 1, Paul said to guard the gospel. One of the ways we guard the gospel It's found right here in this verse, chapter 2, verse 2. You see, we guard the gospel by making sure we hand it off and invest it in the lives of somebody else. Paul Paul really talks about four stages in in this gospel, in passing on this gospel. Watch watch this. You have Paul who invested in and poured his life into Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I want you to find... And he... Not just some men, but he says in verse 2, 
the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men. Reliable men, and they have to have another qualification. What is that qualification, church? Verse 2. Reliable men who can do what? Who, who can teach others. And, and then these reliable men will indeed turn around and teach others. So watch these four things. Paul to Timothy. Timothy to reliable men. And these reliable men who will teach others. That's what we mean by guarding the gospel. The obvious lesson is this. You need to be a reproducer of the gospel, not just a receiver. Paul, giving it to Timothy. Timothy, not just a receiver, but a reproducer, giving it to reliable men. These reliable men being a, not just a receiver, but a reproducer, giving it to others. Ladies and gentlemen, that's how the gospel is passed. That's how the gospel is guarded. And that is how disciples are made. Notice the phrase in verse 2. The things that you've heard me say, notice this phrase, in the presence of many witnesses. Paul is referring to his teaching and his preaching that Timothy had heard many times in the three missionary journeys that Paul had gone on. Now Paul challenges Timothy to take that message that he has heard and pass it on. Later in the letter, he tells Timothy to preach the word. But in verse 2, he's referring to something more personal. Referring to something more intimate. What we might call mentoring or discipleship. Have you ever considered the fact that the greatest thing you might do in your life is to pour your life into someone else? The greatest legacy that you may have will be the legacy you leave behind when after you're dead and gone, somebody can say, I'm the Christian that I am today because of Him. I'm following Christ today because of her. But here's the problem. Watch, watch this again. Paul to who? Timothy. Timothy to who? Reliable men. And t- reliable men to who? To others. Great strategy, unless. Great strategy, unless they're Baptist. Because, you know, you know, uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot. But if I were to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm not going to do this. If I were to ask you, how many of you, just raise your hand. How many of you have ever poured your life into somebody else? Now, don't raise your hand. But if I were to ask you to do that, how many of you have really poured your life into somebody else? How many of you have a legacy that you're leaving behind where you helped somebody go further down the road with Jesus? You taught somebody, you mentored somebody, you discipled somebody. How many of you have ever poured your life into somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. But if I did ask you to raise your hand, I bet it would be embarrassing how few hands would go up. The strategy is a good one. Paul, to Timothy, to reliable men, to others. The problem is this. Watch this. The problem is we are gospel hoarders. You ever seen the TV show Hoarders? Isn't that a scary thing? I mean, does that not freak you out? This, this man, this woman, they, they, they just got junk, and they, they get more of it, and they just get more of it, and, more, and they can't ever get rid of it. They never do anything with it. They just keep collecting more and more and more and more junk. And, and, and it's, 
it's out of control and it's stacked to the ceiling and every room is full and they're walking across garbage and trash. I mean, it's just awful. Really, it's kind of a pretty good picture of church, isn't it? In some ways, I'm not trying to be mean, but we come on Sunday morning and we just get more and more and more and more. And some people come on Sunday night and they get more and more and more. Some people even come on Wednesday and they get more and more and more and more. And they're, they're gathering it and gathering And they got notebooks galore. They're gathering it, gathering, get more and more. But they never do anything with it. They are gospel hoarders. It's not the strategy that God had in mind. Now listen, folks. We're talking about last days. I'll tell you something. As we get closer and closer to the last days, it's going to become more and more imperative that we pass on what we know. It's going to be more and more imperative that we tell people who Jesus is and what He can do in their life. And we teach them and train them. I mean, just think about it. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? The gospel went from a hole in the ground in Rome to where we are in Powdersville in about 2,000 years. How in the world did that happen? Because Paul told Timothy. Timothy told reliable men, faithful, able to teach others. And they told others. They told others. And they told others, and they told others, and they told others, and somebody told you. And I'm not just talking about evangelism. I'm talking about mentoring. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about teaching people the faith, passing on the gospel, and teaching and training them in the faith. Robin and Nicole Burdett are doing that in Southeast Asia. Rob is teaching in a seminary. And he'll probably share some of that tonight. I hope he does. Teaching in a seminary. You know what he's doing? He's passing it on. Passing it on to young men and helping them understand the gospel, helping them understand the Bible. Passing it on so that they can in turn pass it on to somebody else so that they can in turn take it to another village, take it to another area. That is the plan. That's what you call multiplication. But multiplication never works if we're gospel hoarders. We're just holding and collecting and waiting for Jesus to come back. Just holding on, Jesus. Just holding on till you come, come Lord Jesus, because this world is getting to be a mess. Just holding on, Lord Jesus. This world is getting to be a mess. Just holding on. Come, Lord Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. The worst the world gets, as it gets worse and worse and worse, it ought to be evident to you, this world needs Jesus. This world needs what I know. See, when you pick up the paper tomorrow and you pick up uh, the magazine, when you turn on the television or you're looking on stories on the internet and you shake your head in disbelief or in disgust, let it be a reminder to you, instead of getting really, really angry, let it be a reminder to you, I have a mission and I have a message. Mount Air Baptist Church has a mission and we have a message. And this world desperately needs both. I hope you'll be back next Sunday. We'll 
finish looking at this text. But just meditate on that verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that we have hope. And his name is Jesus. And we have, Father, the, the direction in our hands, in our Bibles. We have what we need. Lord, would you show us somebody that we could help along the ways? Could you show us somebody that we could mentor, somebody we could disciple, somebody we could befriend, somebody perhaps younger than us that we could train and teach? Would you show us, Lord, how to live for you every day, not standing in our own strength, but may we walk really, really close rather than trying really, really hard. And I pray that in Christ's name, amen.